Chapter 1 Omens The unraveling of Anne's little world began with an ace of spades. She focused her gray eyes on the blackjack dealer as he glanced at the whole card. The large spade in the center of the card took on the form of a black skull. Her breath caught in her throat as a nameless dread washed over her. The skull leered at her, promising pain and suffering. A wisp of her chestnut-brown hair escaped the hairpins as she shook her head to clear the image from her eyes. She tucked the stray curl behind her ear and put her mind back on her cards. She decided to break even this time. The dealer, lean and angular, towered over the table as he flipped his down card to reveal the ace of spades. She glanced at the lady to her right. The woman, soft flesh pouring over the top of a low neckline, jumped up and down in triumph, wafting dollar store perfume across Anne. Anne congratulated her. She responded with a dazzling flash of tiny white teeth. I guess this is my lucky night. Infected by the woman's excitement, Anne returned the bright smile. Yes, it is. The dealer's head turned on a slender neck to Anne. He curled his long fingers and wrapped his knuckles on the table, indicating a push, a tie. She left her chips on the table to bet on the next hand. The dealer continued around the semicircular table, collecting lost wages from the remaining players. After he dealt the new hand, he lifted one corner of the whole card so only he could see. It was another ace of spades. Odd, but not alarming. It was time to lose, so she ordered an extra hit. The dealer turned up the whole card, then made his way around the table collecting and dispensing chips. His agile hands gathered the used cards and set them aside. When a bear of a man wearing an immaculate tailored suit appeared, a pit boss, her heart thumped. He stood to the side of the dealer, his hands clasped behind his back. With sharp hazel eyes, he watched as the dealer pulled cards one by one from the shoe. She released a long breath. The pit boss seemed more interested in what the dealer was doing. When the deal was complete, the dealer peeked at the whole card. A voice resonated inside her head. The Ace of Spades. Something wicked crawled up her spine. Three black aces in a row, all of them spades. Is it time to be alarmed now, Marcus, because I'm alarmed, she thought. Marcus's familiar br voice brushed across her consciousness, a feather-soft touch, soothing her frayed nerves. Just stay calm, Anne. When the final player waved his hand to indicate he would stand, the dealer played out his turn, then flipped up the whole card. The players shifted in their seats as they looked at the ace. Their narrowed eyes flew up to the dealer's face, where a sheen of moisture had appeared on his forehead. The dealer retrieved lost wagers, in smooth motions, belying his agitation. "'What's going on here?' the man farthest to Anne's left said, as his bushy eyebrows met over his stabbing blue eyes. The pit boss tapped the dealer on the shoulder. The dealer set the cards he'd been collecting down. In one fluid motion, he opened his long hands while flipping them palm upward. He rubbed his hands together before turning them back up, showing the cameras he was taking nothing away from the table." The dealer backed away from the table but stood near, smoothing his starched shirt with shaking hands. The pit boss approached the table with smooth, authoritative steps and spoke in a booming voice. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. There's been an unusual occurrence here. I'm going to break out fresh cards for you now. The man collected the used cards with deft hands, placing them in the discard pile. He flashed an exaggerated, toothy smile then removed the remaining cards from the shoe. 
He flipped the cards over, fanning them, to show the players they were not being cheated. After scooping up the overturned cards, he set them aside. The pit boss opened three new packs of cards, shuffling them with a grace at odds with his wide frame, and placed them in the shoe. The pit boss dealt the new cards, his thick hands dancing around the table. He glanced at the down card. The man was good at his job, giving no indication that anything was amiss. It was the ace of spades. The wicked thing wrapped itself around her spine and squeezed. Her thoughts echoed the words of the man with the bushy eyebrows. What was going on here? An ace of spades four times in a row. It was too unnatural, an omen. It's time to leave, she thought. Wait, we don't want to attract attention, said Marcus. She visited the casino often, careful to never win too much. Her heart thumped at the thought of being 86th, suspected of cheating and invited to never return. The cards swam before her eyes as she tried to focus on them. She managed to play out her turn with a gnawing sensation in her belly. The pit boss flipped up the whole card, settled the wagers, then announced he was closing the table. The players were each gifted with chips from the house to compensate for the inconvenience and escorted to new tables. She sat in her new seat, trying to appear calm, while a beast devoured her stomach, until the floor attendant walked away. As the crowded casino closed in on her, she left the table in a rush. Easy, Anne, said Marcus. Just get your coat and act naturally. Chat with Shelley, as usual. The gnawing in her belly continued as she moved like a robot past eternally hopeful gamblers who stood before the binging and flashing digital slot machines. The air was rich with the scents of perfumes, colognes, and varied restaurant fare, everything from cheeseburgers to lobster dripping in butter. The smell was pervasive, and it nauseated her. Shelley, the courtroom attendant, was 22 years old and working her way through nursing school. Anne remembered to ask, how's school, and how did that date with that one guy go, then let the talkative girl monopolize the conversation. While Shelley chattered, Anne's mind wandered back to the aces. Four black aces, all spades. What could it mean? Her stomach twisted tighter. It's not time to worry yet, Anne said Marcus. Calmed by Marcus's smooth, rich voice, she managed to uphold her end of the conversation by nodding occasionally and exclaiming in dismay as Shelley recounted her disastrous date. When the young woman paused to take a breath, Anne saw her opportunity to slip away. She passed Shelley a $10 bill as tip, then muttered an abrupt you're welcome in response to the young woman's thanks. From there, it was a short walk to the lobby doors. Her breath escaping her lips in little puffs of fog, she waited for the valet to bring her car. She struggled to recall the, val the valet's name and any details that could be used to hold conversation, to chat as usual. When he pulled up in her Mustang, she remembered he rebuilds and restores cars. He had been trying to convince her to let him work on her car for months. Needs a good tune-up, he said, as he passed her the keys. Cap, wires, rotor, and plugs. Could have it done in less than an hour. You should bring her by. He's right, commented Marcus. All right, she responded. I'm convinced. The valet beamed and passed her his business card. She pocketed the card as she tipped him. The welcome distraction gone, her stomach knotted up as she turned away. Comforted by the familiarity, she settled into the worn interior of her car. 
The inside of the car always smelled of pipe tobacco and peppermint from the first day she bought it. She relaxed into the familiar scent while driving toward the highway. The reprieve was short-lived, though, she recalled the aces a few minutes later. Marcus, what do the aces mean? I don't know yet, he answered. It's a bad sign, isn't it? We don't know that, Anne. The voice in her head had been there her whole life. She was born Anne Carlin and changed her name to Anne Marcus when she was 18. Anne Carlin was a great worry to her parents, always talking about that imaginary friend Marcus. When she was eight years old, she pushed Kevin Granger off his seat in the school lunchroom. He hit his head and was taken to the hospital. She had to sit in the principal's office and wait for her mother to come. Anne, her mother said, why did you push Kevin? He was going to steal my pudding cup, Anne said. You mean he took your pudding cup, her mother said? No, he was going to, Anne answered. Her mother knitted her eyebrows, then looked at Mrs. Trudeau, the principal. Her mother looked back at Anne. How do you know he was going to? Marcus told me, Anne said. Her mother's face twisted into a dark scowl. Anne knew she'd said something wrong, but she didn't understand what. She had told the truth. That evening, after dinner, her father said he had to pay for Kevin going to the hospital. No more lies, no more Marcus. Marcus isn't real. He is real, she said. He lives inside me. His face turned red, contorting into a mask of hideous rage. She had said something wrong again. He yanked his belt from his trouser loops. She screamed out from the pain as he clutched her wrist in his strong hand, jerking her arm. He swung the belt several times. Her mother ran into the room screaming. Soon after, she was sent to bed. In her room, her parents' shouts and bellows assaulted her from the living room. It was her fault they fought. She was bad. That was the day Anne knew she was different than everybody else and had to keep it a secret.